The Cigar Box Guitar Builder Podcast, episode 31. And for the last, oh gosh, probably 10 or 12 episodes, I've um, I've had the opportunity to talk to some pretty darn in- incredible people. Uh, I've been able to talk to Justin Johnson. I uh, spoke to Justin Johnson about his, uh, the new album that's coming out. spoke to Justin Johnson about... Uh, his uh, his love of uh, Roots Instruments. I spoke to Mike Snowden. Mike Snowden also has had a new album that's uh, just come out recently. And uh, Mike Snowden as well is very well known for building uh, amazing and beautiful uh, PCO-powered cigar box guitars. Um, you can also see with Mike Snowden, when you check out his Facebook page, um, his Facebook page demonstrates differences in the guitars that you will see from his website. He tends to uh, have the majority of his guitars that he sells his website, from what I've seen, uh, tend to be uh, fretted instruments. But Mike also uh, builds uh, a lot of diddly bows. He also builds fretless instruments as well, I think, for his uh, for market sales and things like that. Um, don't take this as gospel, but this is just from, from what I've seen. Uh, also, uh, definitely Shane Spiel, um, who's a huge influence on so many of us. Uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to Shane yet. We're trying to tee up uh, an interview time with Shane at the moment. Uh, but Shane's in the process of writing uh, and producing his brand new album. Um, spoke to Ben uh, C.B. Giddy Baker. Um, last week for the podcast, uh, that was episode 30, and Ben was telling us about all about the, uh, the new album, he, he had listened to half of the new album so far, and he was very excited about it, some changes in direction from Shane, um, but also uh, I've had the chance to speak to, gosh, uh, John um, Nickel from Nickel Guitars, he has also been a prolific uh, cigar box guitar builder. He is hugely influential and um, definitely uh, through the states uh, tends to be involved in so many uh, festivals and uh, events that promote uh, cigar box guitars. These are just a few of the people that I have had the opportunity to talk to. And back here in Australia, I've had a fantastic opportunity to speak with Nigel McTrustry from McTrustry Guitars. Um, and Nigel, uh, again, this is a, if you go into Nigel McTrustry's guitars, that's Cigarbox Guitar Australia, um, you'll notice that, not, that the majority of the guitars, in fact, all of the guitars that you'll see there that Nigel does are fretless instruments. He uh, is a huge uh, supporter of fretless um, Cigarbox guitars. And um, definitely go and check uh, check out uh, Nigel McTrustry on Facebook and uh, Cigarbox Guitar Australia. Uh, also, Shane Soul um, from down in Yakandand away. Uh, we've heard quite a bit from Shane lately. Uh, Shane has the only Cigarbox Guitar 
store in Australia, or so I thought. There is another gentleman that's uh, Mark Wilkes uh, from Buzzbox Guitars. He actually has a music store down in the uh, southern suburbs of Sydney Town, and uh, he actually has uh, a shop where he also sells his own cigar box guitars as well and he has been doing that for a little while so um, I know for the last the last couple of times I've, I've spoken um, I have mentioned that Shane had the only store well you know there is uh, another store there that does uh, uh, that does actually promote and sell cigar box guitars um, so gosh oh gee there it's all happening things are happening cigar box guitar wise and it's only getting bigger and better and I am finding on my travels around Sydney town itself I am finding more and more cigar box guitars I'm seeing them in shop windows I am seeing them obviously on eBay I am seeing them on uh, Etsy although I don't think Etsy's as big over here in Australia as yet but I am seeing them about. I'm also seeing them on the Facebook, uh, the Facebook shops as well. So there's the, um, the the buy and sell sections on Facebook. So I'm seeing those uh, those guitars, and um, I've got mixed emotions to be honest with you about that. Um, and one of the reasons I I suppose one of the things that makes me happy is seeing all of these wonderful fantastic roots instruments in shops it's absolutely wonderful it is fantastic to see and regardless of oh it's you know it's all um you know it's all it's all competition you know oh gosh someone else has got a guitar in the shop or someone else has got a guitar on ebay or you know who cares Get out there, pop your stuff up for sale. You know, the more cigar box guitars or the more um, cookie tin guitars or the more um, hubcap guitars that we find out there being sold, the more this industry is going to be pushed. So get your wares out into the shops. Get your wares, if you can, um, get your wares out on eBay. Get yourself a website. You don't have to have a e-commerce type website. You can actually have a website which is free, um, or mo- pretty much, pretty much free. Um, Facebook is a fantastic place to do that. You can actually set yourself up with a page. People can contact you. Um, people can get in contact with you via Messenger. So you don't actually have to have the e-commerce thing set up. Uh, I'm not telling you not to, but you certainly don't have to. Um, Weebly. Um, who I have my own Facebook, uh, my own uh, web store set up with at birdwood.guitars at gmail.com. That's actually set up through Weebly. Now, I do pay, I'm paying around about $45 American a month, uh, which isn't cheap, um, but it's getting some great traction, but it's costing me money. Um, but I've got sales that can 
you know, that, that, that can actually pay that. So that's, I'm not particularly worried about that. And it's all tax deductible at the end of the day as well. The other thing to have a think about though is the places like Weebly, they do allow you to actually set up a web page for basically nothing. Now, one of the great things about that is that you can actually put photos of your instruments up. You can set yourself up a web page. You can set yourself up a place where you can actually promote your goods and people simply need to get in contact with you and then you got you can organize things yourself whether or not you do bank bank pay, bank transfers or whether you do uh, whether you decide okay well I'm going to bite the bullet lose a few percent and go through PayPal for example uh, there's options there you can go through Stripe if you want who's another company these are companies that I use um, so, you know, there are a lot of, lot of, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of options for you out there. So, first and foremost, yes, I, it makes me happy to see guitars, uh, cigar box guitars and blues-inspired, roots-inspired instruments in shops and on eBay. More power to you. Go, go, go. But, what I hate doing, what I can't stand doing, is picking up an instrument and playing an instrument which well let's be honest isn't really that great and here's here's the problem I think if you if you are going to sell it if you are going to put your name on something and if you're going to promote a product do the best you can do the best you can and one of the areas that I'm going to talk about is your friends. So today really is about friends. So this episode is called Adam Harrison from Birdwood Guitars Fretting About Frets. Alright, when I started out, I started out building fretless instruments, straight up. Uh, this is what I'm talking about cigar box guitars. I'd built a few electric guitars and I had done fret work then. And the first guitar that I did, I've still got it. The second guitar that I did, I sold and I was very happy with it. But the first guitar I did, I went back and had a look at it just recently and I'm telling you, there's no way I'd sell it. And one of the reasons that why I wouldn't sell it is because of the fretwork. Um, when I compare the fretwork that I was doing then to the fretwork that I'm doing now, there is a dramatic difference. And the funny thing is that I've probably got two tools that I'm using at the moment which are specifically designed for doing fretwork and I'll talk about those tools in a second so when I first started out I started out with a pair of uh, pliers and I started out basically with sandpaper and a couple of files now the thing is that the files that I'm using now to level my frets uh, and tidy up my fret ends is the same file that I was using back then it's exactly the same. It's just a simple file. Uh, it's quite flat. Well, it's very flat. 
but it's a file and I can't even remember where I got it from. It's probably nothing great, but it's a metal file. And it's a file that was designed for filing metal. So it's not a wood file, it's actually a metal file. And I also use sandpaper. But the thing was, when I did my first guitar, I sawed my frets, I hammered my frets in, and once I'd hammered them in, I filed the sides of the frets down to the edge of the fingerboard, and that was pretty much it, really. I didn't crown the frets, I didn't actually level file the frets at all, I didn't really know. So when I went back and had a look at it just recently, and I eyeballed down the neck on the top of the fretboard, I, I could see lifted frets, I could see frets, so in other words frets that hadn't been seated properly, I could see frets that were obviously not level, there were high spots and low spots, and this is actually, a, it, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's actually a guitar that I'm still very, very proud of to this day, but I'm certainly wouldn't, and I'm certainly glad that I didn't try and sell it when I built it. I didn't really sand the edges of the frets very well. I probably went over them just a little bit, to be honest with you, but not very well. Now, when I compare it to what I'm doing now, the only real difference in tools that I'm using are a dedicated, dedicated pair of uh, fret end files, uh, fret, fret pliers, so which are designed so that when you snip the frets off at the side of the fretboard, when I've hammered them in, they're flush to the fingerboard, so they actually cut flush to the fingerboard. So there's not, they're not like a pair of pliers that, or end pliers that you'll get from Bunnings or from Lowe's uh, in in the states, or you know, they're a dedicated uh, fret file, no fret pair of flat, uh, fret end pliers. Sorry, I'm getting all tongue tied. Um, but the funny thing was. They didn't cost me much. I bought them off eBay. They're not a large set. They're actually fairly small. They're probably a medium-sized set of pliers. They cost me about... They probably cost me about $30. Now, I've had those files for over a year. It must be close to over a year. And I have probably printed about 40 guitars, 40 necks in that time. And the pliers are still working perfectly. There's nothing wrong with them. The other thing that I purchased, which cost me about $30 again, was a little round file, not a round file, a very fine fret end file. Now, it's, I'll try and explain what the file is, but it's a long, thin file, very long and thin. The top of the file is quite square, but the bottom of the file, where it runs along the fretboard, is rounded. Now the reason it's rounded is this file is designed to take off the sharp edge of the fret at the edge of the fingerboard. So it actually is designed to take off that little sharp corner. Now here's the thing, if you simply f uh, sand the fret 
and leave it at that and don't round off that fret. What's going to happen is this, if your guitar, and this happens to, uh, uh, listen to other, I've listened to other podcasts, alright, so, and I know this is, it's, it does happen. When you take a guitar out of one environment and you take it into another environment, if the timber shrinks, you've got to remember that the steel of the fret, steel frets don't shrink. So if the timber fretboard shrinks at all, what you end up with is a razor sharp piece of fret end hanging out over the tip of the fretboard. Now, the problem with that obviously is that you there is the potential for a client to actually cut themselves on the fret. Now, one of the reasons that I know that this has happened is because about a year ago, I built a beautiful cigar box guitar and I took it up to my local music store and I took it in and I said, look, would you leave it, would you be happy to keep it up, keep it in the shop? And the proprietor of the store said, I'd love to, I really love it, it's really great. And I was very happy with that and I left it there. Now, it stayed there for about probably about a month and a half with nothing much happening and I was getting bites on the internet about the guitar and I thought well look I might actually go up and I might go and see and maybe I'll swap it for something else or I'll I'll take it back because I was getting bites on it and when I went into the shop what I noticed was that when I ran my finger up the side of the fretboard I could actually feel the end of the frets so what had actually happened is that during the time where I had been making my cigar box guitar in the middle of the Blue Mountains and I'd done my fretting and I'd sanded it off and it was beautifully rounded and it was beautifully cut to the cut to the right length and it was it was wonderful. You could run your hand up and down that fretboard with without any worry of catching tetanus or slicing your hands open or anything like that. But the thing was that when I took went back to the shop and picked it up I could actually feel the fret ends. And the reason for that is that the timber of the fingerboard had actually shrunk a little bit. Not a lot, but enough for me to be able to feel that timber. So, and it's interesting in that I wonder now, back then, if any of the other guitars that I've built that were fretted, if that's happened to any of the other guitars. Now, again, I'm going to bring back the point that the same thing happen, can happen to a Fender Stratocaster. When you take it into a different environment and the timber reacts, if it shrinks or if it swells, you've got to remember that the frets don't shrink and the frets don't swell because they're made from, st- from metal, from nickel or from stainless steel or whatever have you, even if they're cheap copper frets, they're not going to stretch, they're not going to change in size, they're going to stay the same. So that's a little bit of a, for, for cigar box guitar builders out there, uh, or hobby builders, that's, that's definitely something worth having a think about, because especially if you're a registered business, 
you need to have a little bit of think, a little bit of a think about. You know, it's a litigious climate out there. Um, you do want to look after your customers, and you want to make sure that your customers are playing a guitar that's safe to play. So, and just keep in mind, guys, this is a place that, well, guys and girls, this is a place that I've been myself. So I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to kind of pass on, you know, the mistakes that I've made in the past. I'm certainly not perfect, and I am, you know, I'm a hobby builder who's trying to make uh, a business, and I'm very serious about my product. And, you know, I've learned a lot, and I've learned a lot from making mistakes as well as my successes. You know, I've got a long way to go, but there's certainly, you know, there's certainly a lot of mistakes along the way that I've made that, that I, I need to look at and try and deal with. So one of the things that I do now to try and address the fret end problem, oh let's 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 step back a step just just before I talk about what I do now. What I would like to do. I'm currently saving up for a pair of fret tang nippers. So the idea with a fret tang nipper is that the tang is for those who maybe don't know when you look at a fret, and when you buy a set of frets from, from you know, from JCAR or from MRWS or from Michael Breedlove or from CB Giddy or from any of the millions of other, um, you know, reputable guitar supply shops out there, one of the things that, when you look at it, the fret, when you look at it from the side, is shaped like a T. There's the dome of the fret wire where you'll actually press the string onto and there's the fret tang and that's the part that hangs that comes down and that's the part that gets hammered into the fingerboard now fret tang nippers are a little contraption that basically takes the end off the tang and then you can file down the fret itself down to the desired width across the fingerboard but one thing to keep in mind is this again if the fingerboard shrinks you're going to still end up with a little bit of that fret hanging over the edge of the fingerboard if the timber shrinks so I suppose how do you go about solving this problem well one of the things that I've done now is I've slowed down a little bit because especially when I'm building a guitar for a customer order, I'm very mindful of the fact that a customer has paid a deposit, or in some case, cases paid in full, and they want their guitar. Now, to fret an instrument and send it off, I would really kind of be hoping that the, the timber's not gonna, not gonna shrink. And, because of the environment that I work in, now I'll just explain the environment I work in. I don't work out of uh, a dedicated shop. I basically, uh, I have a house which is um, up on stilts and I have an open work environment under the house. Now what I mean by open is that it's sheltered from the rain but it's certainly not sheltered from mist. It's certainly not sheltered from the cold or the heat of midsummer. Um, 
or from you know from moisture so the only thing that i can do basically is cover my work with tarpaulins and make sure that everything is secured when i'm not there and especially during the night everything is secure it's nice and safe you know i've got the appropriate alarms and all that sort of stuff but at the end of the day the timber reacts to its environment it is a living thing even if it's a piece of timber it's still in my opinion it's a living thing it's something that reacts to its environment so the way i get i'm getting around uh timber shrinkage now is once i've actually fretted the instrument i actually bring it inside now into a controlled environment uh, a controlled temperature environment and i make sure that I give the guitar time to breathe. I make sure that I allow the instrument the opportunity to acclimatise to a warmer environment. And we're back. Sorry, just had to pop off to the post office to post a guitar. Now, where was I? We, I was talking about acclimatising the guitar neck and this has actually become a kind of a, a, a standard practice for me now um, where I keep the guitar, I take it up from that cold environment and obviously this might be something that I might be doing only through winter so once it's built because the temperature where I am can go down to you know negative one degree celsius it's usually floating during winter around about the one or two degree temperature um that obviously is going to have an effect on timber it's going to uh, it's going to uh, constrict or um expand depending on the environment it's in now also keeping in mind that if it's a particular moist evening or you know, I really am in a way where I'm working, and I suppose this could be said for anybody who's even working out of a tin shed. Uh, you know, we as builders tend to, look, we're hobby builders. You know, we don't have, uh, you know, uh, workshops in many cases, which, you know, which are designed to have, um, you know, temperature regulating, air conditioning and all that sort of stuff and dust extraction and and we in many cases we just don't have it it's not something that 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 we have the opportunity to to, to use so I, I think some common sense has to kind of come into it and in, in this case for what i'm trying to do uh with the guitars that i'm building now is allow the timber to react so in other words when the timber uh, when, if I take the, the neck upstairs and I leave it in the house, which is a lot warmer, we tend to have a fire going uh, most days, um, the timber will react, it'll change. Now, what I have then noticed is that I am getting that little bit of, once the timber's drying out a little bit, or it's reaching that particular, that particular uh, hydration level, it is shrinking that little bit 
that's when I go in and do my final file. Um, that's when I'll actually go in, do that final file, tidy it up, clean it up, reset, you know, resand the edges. But all the while, the little file has done its job. So that little file that I was talking about before, it is designed to round off that sharp edge of the uh, the top of the fret where it hits that it hits the edge of the fingerboard. So you can imagine that r- running your hand up and down that neck while you're playing and having a sharp edge. Uh, you know, we're talking about a 90 degree razor sharp piece of fret file, and it's pro- uh, a piece of fret, and it's probably even more dangerous if it's simply if it's sanded than if it was left unsanded. You know, um, if you round those frets off, it's going to certainly be much less dangerous to your customer. Uh, and keep in mind, if there is any shrinkage of that fingerboard, it's it's definitely going to um, make a huge difference just to the comfort level uh, of the instrument. But the other thing to think about is that customers out there people out there who are being who are coming on board and wanting to learn how to play a cigar box guitar you know it may be that they've heard about it it may be that you know they may have heard the music from you know from people like Justin Johnson or seen the YouTube clips or you know come across it and they've gone oh look I'd really like to give one a try and you know, I think we as builders, because this is the Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast, it's, you know, the reason that I, I started the podcast was that I wanted to talk about building Cigar Box guitars or building Roots instruments. Um, and I think that, that the people that I've had the opportunity to talk to, I'm hoping that they're, they're people who would agree with me when I talk about putting out a quality product because the very last thing that we want to do is put a product in a shop or into a customer's hands that is subpar that is you know below expectation and I'm not talking about quirkiness I'm not talking about you know salt of the earth you know, uh, old timbers or using, you know, nails as frets or, you know, bamboo as frets. Go for it. Do it, you know. Um, you know, uh, Ed Stilly, who, you know, I, I was such a fan of the book, you know, and I've spoken about it on a couple of the podcasts, you know, he used J frets and things like that, you know, and... I know that was that was it was rustic and it was rough and it was you know it was one of those things that it's and I said on the podcast last time that in many ways I I would prefer one of Ed Stilly's guitars over you know a new Ibanez you know because there's this huge story behind it so please don't get me wrong I'm not talking about rustic uh, or you know old oldie story or anything like I'm not talking about that I'm talking about doing the best you can by the instrument and by the and by your customer so what i'm saying is that if you're going to use nails as frets then by all means use nails as frets but smooth the buggers off 
you know, smooth them off. Make them comfortable for the player. You know, if you're going to use windscreen washer wire, which I've seen on, you know, a YouTube clip, the guy that I saw do, on, do that on the YouTube clip, and I can't remember his name for the life of me, and I apologise, you know, if he hears this or if he says, hey, that's me, or, you know, if you've done it before. Looking at the, the effort that he went through to actually use this, this um, windscreen washer wire to use his frets, it was more effort put into doing that than, than, than many, you know, cigar box guitars that, that have proper frets that I've seen in shops. Um, he put time and he put effort into actually filing those things down. He put time and effort into rounding the edges off. And you can see it, I'm telling you, you can see it on the YouTube clip. You can see the quality of how, how he's actually put it together. Um, you know, and then there's other people out there who are using, you know, who are using bamboo. I'll, I'll say it again. Um, the little group that I've got at school that I work with, they're making, you know, cigar box guitars. They're only kids. They're only kids in, you know, eight, nine, and ten years old. And my own son, Daniel, who is turning eleven this year, he's built four cigar box guitars himself, and he's fretted two of them, both with bamboo. You know, poor little bugger. Bamboo's horrible to, to, to use because it's, it's like a scallop fretboard. It's just, it's murder on little fingers. It's murder on my old fingers, you know, and, and, and imagine what it's like for a little kid. However, you know, even he noticed the difference when it came to, to sanding the edges of those, of those bamboo frets. It makes a massive difference. Um, and, and that, I think, is, is, is the issue that I have with people who are selling cigar box guitars that are fretted that have these god awful sharp edges um and you know and in this case i'm and i'm not necessarily talking about fingerboard shrinkage because mate you know if you don't know about it, if it hasn't happened to you, you it's not something that you're going to know about straight up but what I'm talking about is putting the effort into to even just to sand the edge of those frets you know, I've felt some recently. I've, I've picked them up, and they're, they're just, they're, they're razor sharp. They're not comfortable. You know, and I think that we're not promoting. When that happens, when we put a guitar like that in, into, a, into uh, a, a potential customer's hands, where, you know, we're doing all of us a disservice. We're, we're doing the movement, you know, a disservice, because these people are not, they're, they're going to pick it up and think, well, this is, this is crap. You know, no offence. And it, the thing is, though, that it might be a bloody beautifully built cigar box guitar or hubcap guitar or, or, or even a canjo. It might be beautifully done. It, you know, it might, be, it might have just the, the, the loveliest attention to detail on the box and it might have, you know, beautiful chrome edges on it and, and a beautiful paint job or F-holes or... But if you don't put the time and the effort into getting the frets, you know, at least somewhat comfortable, even with rudimentary tools like sandpaper and a, and a, and a simple file, then it, it's all for nothing. You know, you might, you might as well leave the frets off and do what um, my mate from Rod's Guitars, you know, if you go and have a look at Rod's Guitars on, on Instagram, 
And Mike, he, he does beautiful fretless instruments, and he even he 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 cuts in the fret uh, fret lines with a fret saw, and then sands over them and weathers it, and, and it looks beautiful. Leave them off if you're not going to sand if you're not going to sand them or file them back and, and make them comfortable for the customer. Leave them off. Make it fretless for God's sake, uh, because it's you know. And I suppose the thing was that the. There was a customer in the shop when I, you know, in this particular store that was that was playing it, and they actually said it's very sharp. And I was like, oh wow, you know, oh. So it's not just me. It's not just me. It's not me picking on. And I, you know, and I, I apologise. I don't mean I don't mean to sound harsh. And I'm, I'm by all means, I'm certainly not the greatest guitar builder in the world. I mean, please, you know, I'm a hack. But, you know, it's I, I do try and make sure that those frets are really, really, really smooth. As smooth as I can make them. Um, because the problem, of course, was that the next thing that the, that the, that the customer did was they, they went straight to a standard six-string guitar. And they had a look at the, a six-string guitar. Actually, no, they didn't. My apologies. Sorry. They actually look. They looked at a ukulele. They did. They went to a ukulele. Oh. Uke builders of the world unite. Anyway, look. This has just been me, and this has just been a rant from my point of view. One of the reasons is that um, I usually have the weekends to do my interviews with my guests, um, but uh, a post that I put on um, on the Facebook on the Facebook group, the Cigarbox Guitar Builder group, kind of um, brought out some conversation uh, and a little bit of feedback back and forth, which was really good, which is what the group's for, so if you haven't had a chance to sign up or, or join the Cigarbox Guitar Builder podcast group, uh, it's just called Cigar, the Cigarbox Guitar Builder podcast. Um, do give us a, a bell. Uh, we'd love to have you aboard, on board. Um, by all means, if you disagree with me, please, that's okay. You know, it's, um, you know, but yes, build rustic instruments. I build them myself. You know, I don't do, I mean, the, the, the top of the line ones, the guitars that I do are the, um, the, the Lightning Boy cigar box guitars. They've got all the bells and whistles and the beautiful Australia-made, you know, mortal coil pickups and the humbucking pickups if you want them and the steel bridges and the, you know, the, the CTS pots and the switchcraft output jacks and all of that and the, you know, the the Wilkinson or, you know, um, Goto tuners. Yeah, all right. It's, it's got all the bells and whistles. But I also build really, you know, rustic style instruments as well. And you know, and when, but when I fret them, you know, I I always try and make sure that they're as comfortable as possible. So, if you're noticing that you're getting that that shrinkage on fingerboards, try and bring the necks inside. If um, let us know if that helps, um, because if you do get that little bit of shrinkage, like has happened with me, it means that you can go in and you can file the timber, and hopefully that means that you won't get any shrinkage. Um, or your customer won't get any shrinkage when they take it home. 
And as I said, I've said it a couple of times on the podcast before, it doesn't just happen with CBGs. It happens with Fender guitars. It happens with any... It can happen with any guitar that has the fret taken right up to the edge of the fingerboard. Right, whether it's a Fender or a, or a Takamine or a, a, you know, a, a, a whatever. All right? It's, it, it can happen. Uh, because wood moves. Which is what I've got to do now. I've got to move on. So, look, hopefully there's some food for thought there. Um, you know, get out there. Fret your instruments. Give it a go. But just, you know, a little bit of sandpaper. A simple file. A little bit of attention to detail. And you can buy your fret filing on your fret installing equipment really cheaply off eBay. It's great to get it cheap. See if you like doing it. And then invest in some better quality stuff. Um, but I've got to say, you know, I went cheap. I bought some cheaper stuff, and it's last. It's lasted me forever. They're lasting me for just ages, and you know, they're, they're coming out really nicely. Um, so, thank you for listening to the Scarbox Guitar Builder podcast. Thank you if you've gotten to the end of it for listening to my rant. Um, it has just been me. Um, I'm looking forward to interviewing some wonderful, wonderful guests in the very near future. Um, it is a weekly podcast. Uh, if you've missed any, go back, have a listen. Give us feedback. Uh, give us five stars. If you're listening on iTunes, give us five stars. We're trying to get the word out there. There are a few Cigar Box Guitar uh, podcasts out and about. Uh, one's called The Digital Rodeo, I believe off the top of my head. Um, and there's, there's a couple. Go back and have a little listen to episode 29. Um... And, uh, and definitely go and have a little listen to that, that interview. And uh, there's more out there. So get, get behind the CBG scene. Uh, have a great one. I apologise for doing this in my car. It's just one of the only chances of time that I've, uh, I've actually had. I hope this works. Otherwise, it's going to be 40 minutes worth of me yammering on and people driving next to me thinking, what the hell is that guy doing? See you next week. Bye.